Hi, and welcome back to Damn Parenting, your English-speaking parenting podcast from Amsterdam. And as always, we are your hosts, Eva Maren. And today's topic, we're going to be talking about holiday expectations. Kind of sounds very vague. (laughs) It's a little vague, I guess, but it's a topic that we think is going to resonate with quite a lot of the international families living here in the Netherlands who are going to be taking those flights, the trains, the cars back home and Mm -hmm. to celebrate, be it the festive season or, you know, at any time of the year where, you know, when we go back to our home. So, yeah, Marin, you want to delve further into why we're we chose this specifically? Yeah, so we are traveling back to my home country, Germany. We're traveling back to Berlin and we'll have a big family gathering because not only am I going to see my family with my sister and my mother and then lots of other family members, but we are also bringing along my parents-in-law who are coming from the US. So it's going to be a big, big gathering of personalities and culture and language and patterns and characters. So I thought, why don't I tap into this topic a little deeper to brace myself and to prepare myself. And I thought this would be perfect topic to discuss with Naomi to really tap into, yeah, topics of how do we manage expectations that we might have for us also that now we're bringing our own children into the mix. How do we deal with the feeling of control and being out of control? How do we deal with nervousness, anxiousness and all that? And yeah, how can we have a better experience overall? And we thought this is something that Naomi can guide us a little bit and give them insight from the outside perspective, basically. Yeah. And also, I think especially when it might be your first Christmas with uh, your child, to not be hoping or expecting even perfect Christmas. Mm. That's, I think, a really (laughs) important thing. It's always good to remember that you can't have a perfect Christmas, a perfect family holiday, a perfect whatever. And so I think we hope this episode is actually going to be revealing to some of you. And also you'll be able to take away some good phrases or some great, you know, ideas to regulate yourself in this especially very stressful Christmas period coming up. So with that, we hope you enjoy. So going home for Christmas can trigger memories from the past and it can bring us into contact with the unconscious feelings that are actually rooted in our childhood. I know for me it does. So we have Dr. Naomi Gibson back with us. Hi, Naomi. Hello. Hi. This is like, I think it's not just like for Christmas, this is for every single holiday that we're going to go back to one of the parents' homes. And Christmas is especially a very stressful and emotional time for many. And emotions, I think, are like triggered by the interactions we can have with our family. And I think going back with our child now as a parent, we figured this episode was like paramount for you to be able to now help us navigate this specific field, I guess, as it would be. Let's just first talk about stepping back into like those childhood shoes. So when we go back to our family and we enter into that house, first of all, we're entering into that house just as ourselves and we're entering into that kind of childhood thing. Is there something you can talk to us about about that? Like, is there some way you can help us not be fitting into those size two shoes because we're now adults? And like, can we now come in as an adult and see ourselves as an adult now? Well, it's very difficult, isn't it? In psychology, we have these terms about systems. So we all operate in different systems. So you have like your parent-child system. You might have a husband-wife system. You might be a uh, sister and have a brother. But when you go back as a parent, you're also a 
parent and a child. Basically, all that to say is it's really complicated and messy and you might have your sort of feel quite comfortable in your role as a parent to your child but then when you are a child to your parent you might be able you might just behave in a different way and yeah to just kind of expect some complexity with that it's a really well-known kind of phenomenon that when we go into those family dynamics even if they were on the most part like healthy and not traumatic which is certainly not everybody's experience, it's complicated to enter those systems in a different way. Yeah, something I always keep in my mind is that your parents know how to push your buttons because they put them there for you. They know they know the kind of that that might trigger you or make you feel uncomfortable or, or be sort of difficult because, you know, they were designed in your family. Yeah, I can see you smiling, Marin. Is that something? have you noticed yeah. your buttons being pushed yeah I was just yeah it was so you're funny when you said this that your parents know your buttons because they put them there I was like yeah ah, yeah and then also your siblings because I have siblings your siblings also know your buttons and vice versa so it's really this whole everyone's playing each other like a big piano piece mm. yeah and when you were saying this about the systems I feel like I have to wear all these different hats that's my, I'm now the child, but at the same time, I want to be independent from this relationship of with my parent, like with my mother then. And then at the same time, what I also find so difficult is the dynamic that I have with my husband and my new family with my child, like us three, and then navigating this within my original family. And then I get into this weird dynamic, I kind of and this always shows that, you know, I mean, in, in conflicts, like, who do I back up? You know, mm-hmm. whose back do I have when I put it, like, to the extreme? Or what what is the, the fear that I carry with me when I go into these situations? That if there's any conflict, that who do I back up? Is it going to be my, my, my sister and my mom and this original family, which I may agree on certain things with? Or is it then my husband and my my child it's like this this weird balance that you have to I don't want to disappoint anyone that's the bottom line Mm. so I don't want to disappoint any relationship and at the same time I want to stay true to myself and back be there for my child and not make my husband feel abandoned or my it's like this whole it really is complicated why we're having this conversation because I was like I cannot be the only one who feels like this. And it just makes my head explode when I think about all these, yeah, like these systems that you then kind of have Marin, to Maren, are in. you trying to get free therapy from Dr. Naomi? No, 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 no. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. not about me. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, these these systems are, it's not so often that you have such an obvious conflict between your different roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As the, when you go back to your family, family home or indeed like your partner's family home or something like that. Like it really puts into sharp focus what your different roles are. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes that means entering a different system and backing somebody up or saying, I'm not going to get involved in this because we're our own family now. It's really hard. And I can't remember who described this. The psychologist described it as the family dance. So when you're growing up, everyone knows their the role that they play in the family dance. And then when we have our own families, we have a naturally take on a new dance, you know. And so when you go back, your your family of origin might be doing some kind of foxtrot, but you're now used to a samba. The rhythms don't match. 
then you've maybe got your in-laws and they're, you know, they're doing a waltz and it's all just messy. People are bumping into each other. Yeah, sometimes it looks like just sort of taking a step back and maybe slowing down the rhythm of the dance to carry on that metaphor, just to sort of see it for what it is, a complex lot of systems all acting together. Is, that's a beautiful metaphor. That's I was going to say, a, I had yeah, a really messy one. really beautiful, one. <laughs> yeah. Mine was basically, we're, we're grown up into adults, but now we've moved to a different country. So now we're mixing with a lot of international families, plus we have the Dutch, plus we have this new, what are they called? The gentle parenting generation. And we're trying to break cycles. Like, And then we want to be organic and we want to be sustainable. We want to save the earth. And there's so much happening. And we're kind of living in this bubble of like who we are right now. And then going back home and it's like, you know, here's your dinner. And you're like, oh, we don't actually eat that. Or, you know, is this, you know, free range? Or do you have quinoa at home? <laughs> you know, you have mm. these kind of things and you're kind of going, I'm a very different person. And that's one of the things I remember like a long time ago when I left home at a younger age. And I remember going back and I remember kind of sitting there feeling like a complete outsider, looking at my friends and my family and kind of thinking, I, I don't do any of this. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I felt so distant. And now, like when I go to my family um, with my daughter, my whole thing is like, I just want to make sure we stick with our routine for my daughter. I, you know, I just want to make sure she has her safety mechanism, which are boundaries and routines. Mm -hmm. And I'm so strict on them to the point that we end up cooking every night or, you know, we're having to do it all because it's like, well, if this is what we want for a child, we then have to do everything because we're not going to rely on our family to do it. We're not going to expect them to step out of their boundaries and start doing stuff just because we want it that way. That was something I did find challenging because then it's a case of, I think many people agree, when you have a young child, it's not a holiday. You're taking the show on the road. Mm -hmm. And it's actually even more so because you're now you're doing it outside your own environment without your utensils and your your usual, you know, setup. Can you give us any phrases or something, you know, to be able to kind of address our family to be kind of like, you know, that's, you know, this is what we're doing. You know, like, oh, we're going to do it this way. We have dinner at this time because this is for our child. You know, we don't wait until nine o'clock for dinner now. So is there anything we can do with that, with our family to kind of be saying, you know, we still have our routines? Yeah, I think you're, it's all about boundaries, isn't it? And I don't know whether I'd necessarily go to my parents or, you know, maybe you would, but I certainly wouldn't say these are my boundaries with my child, but maybe just what your expectations are. You know, it could be around loads of sweets and chocolates or something and just be like, yeah, we're, we're thinking that they might've had enough chocolate in these last few days running up to, to Christmas can we not do chocolate for breakfast or, <laughs> you know, just kind of to spell out what you might be expecting or if there's certain times, certain things around sleeping, just kind of to be able to say, yeah, what you need, what your child needs, what your family needs without it being necessarily dictatorial. Just these are the things that make life feel a bit smooth, but also maybe to think to yourself, what are the things that you can loosen up as well? Because these holiday times can be nice opportunities to try things out as well it might be that you've always had like a seven o'clock bedtime but actually you know there's a party going on and it might feel nice for the children to go to bed later or you know but you know you know your child you know your family you know what fits but just have a plan ahead what might be the sticking points because that can also look like difficult conversations as well and having boundaries around those it might be that you know you always tend to 
sway into talk about politics, but you're feeling like that might not be the kind of atmosphere you want, or maybe that always leads to conflict or, you know, you can just say, yeah, spending enough time talking about that. Like, let, let's move on, move the topic on, or, you know, find something amusing or funny to sort of deflect if, if that's feeling too, too hard, because yeah, certainly conflict does easily come up in these sort of family environments when everybody's sort of working out a new, a new dance, a new way to be together. I think it's a lot about when you were saying this about exploring the gray areas more, because it's like, sometimes I feel like my opinion is still black and then the other is still white. And then we are standing there and we're just screaming at each other like, no, mine is right, mine is right. But then it's like, you said, where's the, the middle ground? What you said about how, where can I loosen up my boundaries and still be in the gray area and not transferred completely to the other side but really and i think we've talked about this in another episode finding this third option right so mm -hmm. really like exploring for myself a bedtime is usually it whatever but then how can i stretch it that i still feel comfortable or what can i adjust in the next morning so really like more into these experiments and options what what am I still comfortable with and where can I let go and I guess what's also important is that sometimes I feel how can I still keep the connection you know because sometimes like this is my view on this and this is your view on this but at the end of the day I still want to be connected with you so where can we yeah how can we translate this into the this connection part into the the needs and maybe look be, between or behind why am i so rigid on this like what is my need behind this and what is maybe mm. another way of still making sure that my need is fulfilled but in a different costume because now i'm dancing another dance so <laughs> what's the what's the other costume i can put on that i still can dance my dance but in another way i guess yeah and I wonder whether then it would help to think about your intention, mm. like have that as a bit of a sort of a bullseye in, you know, what's my intention for this trip mm. to see family? What's my intention for this Christmas? And that could be, yeah, feeling connected to family. That could be wanting the children to have a really fun time or spend time with grandparents. Or it could be, you know, wanting some rest. So to just come back to that bullseye again and again, like what do I intend by this trip? by this visiting and then hopefully that will lead to those things if your intention is to feel more connected and learn a bit more about your parents in this stage of life then maybe you would invite more of those kind of conversations or things that might look a bit like they could touch on conflict but if that's something that feels kind of authentic and important to you as your intention for the trip does that make sense that sort of yeah totally intention? yeah I think that's good because then you can always come back to this when you're spiraling maybe or you're in a situation you can remind yourself wait a minute stop what was my intention for this trip how can I come back to that I think that is, I think that particularly tip. helps when your intention is for your children to have you know a relationship with their grandparents yeah. uncles stepmother you know whoever it is then sometimes there's a different way that people manage things like discipline mm -hmm. boundaries emotions all of these things but actually, you can kind of say, well, I did really want them to spend time with auntie and and she has some wacky ideas, but they're learning about the world through her. And, you know, mm. that can kind of be a guiding principle. And it can also help with that, you know, loosening the rigidity on things like bedtime, eating, stuff like that. If you're like, yeah, my intention is for them to, you know, learn about 
the culture that I come from when we live in a country abroad, then yeah, maybe that's okay to stay up later and do whatever your family does on Christmas Eve. You know, it could be loads yeah. of different examples, but just maybe have that as a bit of a guiding guiding light through the trip that you can kind of come back to and rest in. Like, okay, this was my intention. It's going a bit west and I'm feeling a bit funny, but this is still working for me. Can I ask a question for those who are going back, especially with the newborns? So they're going back with like very, very, very young little babies. And it's those aunts and uncles or other members of the family, uh, brothers and sisters or parents even. And they just obviously want to cuddle the baby and kiss the baby. And you're kind of like, please don't kiss this baby. <laughs> like, I just, you know, because of the, you know, viral season or whatever it is, and especially herpes, for example, like there's a lot of stuff that you're like, please just don't. And the thing is, there is a psychological thing, like the cuteness thing where you really want to kill something because you think it's so adorable or something. I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> you want to choke like a kitten because it's so adorable. And the thing is, it can be the same with a newborn where you're like, I just want to hold it. I want to smell it and I want to kiss it. And it's like amazing. How can parents, you know, directly be able to say, please don't, because there are members of families who don't listen? Yeah, that's tricky. Yeah, I think I'd probably think about your reasons why you don't. If it's like, okay, they were born slightly early and they're more vulnerable to viruses, you know, that's a completely legitimate reason or maybe a family member smokes or something like that that you can say like yeah I'm just gonna keep hold of her I'm just gonna or she's this is a new environment for the baby like let me just hold her and you can see her from here you know there's ways to communicate it that's not like leave my baby alone <laughs> that's um yeah that's this kind of say or you can almost also say something about yourself like put it on you like oh we're just getting to know each other can I just hold on to her a bit longer I'm feeling like she might need me and I need her you know something like that yeah I think as, as much as possible is just try and communicate it in a in a light way and I think people do get it don't they with newborns no, they, they no, need they to be with their parents okay your experience is different yeah <laughs> I've spoken to a few mothers out there and they've told me some stories where literally they could not be more clearer about it mm. and the family members just they just don't listen and they proceed to do whatever they intended to do in the first place yeah yeah and it could well be the newborn example, but it could also be, you know, giving your child meat when you've said that you don't eat meat as a family. There will always be members of your family or extended family that kind of want to step across that boundary. And it's then kind of you can't control other people in this situation or ever, but you can control yourself. So if that boundary is really important to you, if, you know, you don't want strangers to kiss your baby you can't stop them doing that but you can you can move yourself away or you can say no that's not gonna work right now yeah there can always sort of be a expectation that we're going to be able to control other people or other people are going to be able to guess what we're thinking or know these things about us but sometimes it really needs to be kind of spelled out and if somebody's not listening then you know leave or <laughs> say it again or you know i think newborn babies are also like a really nice excuse to get some time on your own in those in those moments at Christmas or whenever to just be like okay baby needs to go and lie down and I need to go with them or you need to go and feed in a dark place or you need to take them out for a walk like there's quite a few opportunities to take some space if you needed to. I'm hoping that's gonna help ease some of the parents mm. bringing their child back for Christmas right now so. Yeah um, or maybe also like going back to the whole I mean <laughs> this is in my head because I'm practicing it with my toddler saying don't say no tell them what you, what they can do so mm. like oh you can't hold the baby but maybe don't you want to let's go out for a walk and then you can push the stroller 
like kind of yeah. like really then go again of like okay i'm not comfortable with them because maybe they smoke or whatever like i'm not comfortable with them holding them however i am comfortable with them having a relationship so how can i do this in a third way let's go for a walk and you can push the pram yeah. Or you can make the bottle. Hey, I really need like so much help right now. Why don't you go and prepare the bottle? Stuff like that. I guess this is what I then would come up with being in the mindset of I'm not going to tell them no, but what can I offer them what I'm comfortable with them doing maybe. Yeah. And it also, I think, speaks to that you as a new parent, mum or dad, you're, you've got yourself in a new system, even if it's not your first baby. Yeah. And you're trying to work out your role within that space and then that can be very confronting if you've say got a grandparent who wants to take over and do the things that you're just sort of learning to do and getting comfortable with like to just kind of go kindly on yourself that you're learning how to do it and it's okay to say yeah to say that to say I'm I'm still learning about this and I'm kind of don't feel comfortable with somebody else taking them right now or mm. you know because I think also family members can really kindly offer you know, I take the baby when you go to sleep or I'll do this or why don't you go for a bath? But actually that can feel really too much as a new parent to be separated from your baby, even if it's from comes from a nice place to not like reject the offer necessarily, but to say, yeah, right now I need I need the baby close to me because that's what feels most comfortable and take you up on a different kind of offer. Like I'd love a cup of tea though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or whatever exactly. it might be. Yeah, yeah. I think for like for me, for example, definitely on my side, it's a case of when you're in the moment, I'm sorry, but I have a brain fog. I this is literally I'm gonna be writing these notes down, like what Marin just said. Hey, you could push the stroller, or you know, what you said Naomi, like I can't write out, but I could do with a cup of tea, like the but or yet, like to add on to a conversation. Like, I mean, these are things that I can't think of in the moment. In fact, if anything, people might accuse me of being very I'll shut people down or I'll tell them no or be too strong with them. But it's just because I don't know how to communicate that. I, I don't know how to yeah, say it. So like these are really good examples to hopefully for anyone to listen to and be kind of like, oh, that's a good one. You know, add that to my little arsenal to be able to manage this, what I'm about to step into. And also maybe the coming back to the thought that I'm speaking of, I assume they want the best for us, right? So it's like, what do they want? They want us to feel loved. Like I'm speaking with the parents. So we're usually coming into an environment where we think they want the best for us. They want the best for our child. But they might not have the right tools to communicate that. Or their tools, they're used to this way of communicating because that's what they learned. So I guess when I get frustrated with certain people in my family or in my environment, I think, do they really try to harm me right now? No, they, they're trying to connect. They're trying to love me, but their way of doing it might not be what resonates with me, but I can mm -hmm. see the intention. I can see the core and now maybe I can help them here. Maybe let's use a screwdriver instead of a hammer to get this nail in. Like kind of facilitate them with other tools that we have learned now to get back to the the core of they want the best for us. They want to help us, but they might not know how. Yeah. And that's why when I think about boundaries, people can often think they're really harsh and I think they're kind. Mm. You're telling people what you need from them. You're telling people what yeah. you expect of yourself, what you can they can expect of you. And that is a kindness because without that, then you're feeling resentful, angry, frustrated with somebody, but you haven't told them what you need. Yeah. And yeah. 
So how can they, how can they know they're going at it with the screwdriver and you're, yeah, you're not telling them it's the wrong tool. So then thinking ahead of time, what's my negotiable things and what are my non-negotiable things, you know, be it with your child, with yourself, with your partner, what can you flex on and what's just a hard line? This is what we do in our family and this is what works sort of thing. Taking a a sidestep here, for example, if we're going back to say the mother's house and the partner is going with them, how can the partner ensure, you know, that they're also being heard or, you know, that they're still involved because, you know, we are, the mother, for example, is going back into that dance, but Mm -hmm. how can the other partner be able to still be themselves, still have their position, still be the, you know, parents of the child, still have their voice heard as well. How do we kind of, how can they communicate with the other partner and how can that partner communicate with them to be like checking in or something to make sure that it's, you know, everyone's being heard and it's not a case of one person's just doing their best. Yeah, I think a certain amount of joining the family dance should be expected like if if it's your if you're the mother and it's going back into your parents house there will be things that just feel familiar be it like traditions or just the way you eat or the way your mum makes a coffee whatever you you know that and sometimes that needs kind of communicating or teaching to your partner and checking in whether that's okay you know these are the type of things we we do here or yeah I hadn't even realized that I was talking like that with your parents and we hadn't we don't do that at home so it's also kind of I guess inviting people to sort of step out of the step out of the dance, step out of the the rhythm and sort of see it for what it is sometimes, which is really hard because we basically just get sucked up and, you know, your partner might feel like an outsider. But to, yeah, I think you said it, to just kind of check in, like how is this feeling for you or, you know, what do you need to feel more comfortable or... Is that like once know, a day or... I don't know, whenever feels <laughs> whenever feels right in your relationship or if you might notice that they aren't, yeah, they aren't behaving like they would normally or they don't seem very comfortable to kind of check in there and vice versa. I guess what you would almost, what you would do in your relationship anyway to see how, how people are doing. I'm just thinking it's like sometimes we could be really in the flow of that dance and that's the problem is like we can't see mm. or we mm. forget to check in. That's that's the thing in my head of like, oh, should it be like every night when you're going to bed? It's like, hey, how was your day? And it's like, well, you know, 10 a.m. I was done for and no one was listening to me. And you're kind of thinking, oh, this was too late to check in. So, mm. yeah, I guess with any, any of these things, it's always going to be individual, isn't it? What happens in your own relationships and what feels kind of helpful for you as a couple and you as a family. One thing yeah. that I think also when you, when we were talking about this and I was like reflecting Also, what we often forget is that language, literal language also plays a big role in this because I'm going back to Germany. So I'm speaking German with my family and my husband does understand German. But when we're really like talking, talking fast Mm. and then using family slang or like this, and then he just doesn't get the full conversation and then that might make him feel frustrated or he then asks me and I'm like getting irritated because then I have to translate back and this whole language barrier sometimes some of the stuff literally gets lost in translation so I think this is also something that we have to think parallel to all these emotional things and needs that sometimes the language is also a a barrier that can then also carry with the relationship between my partner and my family or vice versa and that's um Sometimes that I forget this and also I get into a different, I don't want to say personality, but I do speak a little different and behave with my mannerisms when I'm speaking German. 
and mm. my tone gets different and all that. And then I, I I react out of this personality, putting this in quotations to then my husband, who's like, what are you doing? Because I'm not in my English um, role and my English mannerism. And that I have noticed also causes quite some irritations sometimes or when he doesn't under literally un- doesn't understand some stuff that maybe my grandma says and then that causes or he has not the vocabulary then and then he uses a word that she might then see as oh confrontational or whatever so this mm-hmm. is also a big part that plays into this whole dynamic when when I go back back home with the literal language yeah and that just that's another layer of mm-hmm. complexity onto it and more opportunities I guess sometimes it will be literally interpreting the language for your partner mm-hmm. did you understand that but also just that feelings interpretation that we were talking about of like how was that for you or but that was a bit confusing or were we talking a bit fast or yeah just kind of checking in something that I was thinking about that felt important to say that is Christmas or you know whatever holidays is not often the time to be healing deep wounds <laughs> just when we're thinking yes. about our families like <laughs> there can be a lot of pressure especially if you know you're doing work on yourself or you're parenting in a different way or you know whatever that looks like to kind of go back in and be like look dad I don't like that you do this or brother we always you know it's just Mm -hmm. not the time like go easy on yourself there'll be things that feel the right time to bring up and and probably the Christmas dinner table is not one of those moments not the greatest gift yeah yeah but just to kind of it's it wouldn't be nice for you either and yeah, just as just as, it's probably just not the time to kind of be opening those wounds. And that can feel difficult if you're feeling like you're not acting in an authentic place, if you have made lots of changes in your life and things. But yeah, to just kind of be compassionate with yourself that it's probably not the easiest moment to do that, especially if, um, you know, alcohol is often involved in these mm-hmm. in Christmas mm-hmm. times and celebrations generally. And yeah, I think it's just, um, yeah, perhaps not the not the easiest opportunity to or the safest. And I suppose we've also touching on people on, you know, these kind of okay family dynamics. But for some people it's really, really hard. It's really hard work to go back to into their family homes. And there might have been lots of trauma, abuse, these things, and to actually go back perhaps to where you grew up or those childhood places can be really, really hard work. So to kind of go go easy on yourself and you know, that can sometimes look like driving somewhere yourself. And if you wanted to leave, you could, or if you got really overwhelmed or triggered or yeah, just to say that. And that can also be very lonely as well. If you sort of not returning to a safe family place. Could I also ask then about when we go home, especially for Christmas, as we said, um, one of the things we tend to do is also then meet up with our friends. Mm-hmm. And the thing is now as a new parent or just even living abroad or whatever it is, the relationship changes. And, you know, they they kind of, they might be still the same themselves. They might have changed themselves or whatever, but it's just like, how do we kind of deal with that aspect of kind of, you know, traditionally, like, for example, myself and my schoolmates, we always go out for Christmas dinners. Like that was something we did for a long time uh, at Christmas. And, um, you know, if you're doing that and then one year you go back, say with a newborn, and then you're going out to meet these people and you're sitting there thinking, I don't really have much in common with you anymore. Like it happens, some of us. And it was just that thing that I'm like, how do we do we give ourselves a break for that and just say, look, it's just now it's just, you know, 
there's a lot going on. There's too much demands on ourselves. Don't be thinking this way. Or is there, you know, is this a common thing that might happen with us? Yeah. I mean, it's a common thing that always happens. I think we spoke in the last episode about friends being there for a reason or a season. And it just might be that those school friends were there for that very important season or, and then you kind of try and find ways to connect and it doesn't feel so connected, but they're also those same people might have been in a similar phase of life to you with a family or whatever. And actually it feels easier to connect. I think, yeah, I think there's an expectation with going back to your family home and going back to your see school friends or university friends or, you know, whomever that things will be the same, like that the dance will be the same, but that it's probably and should have got an update. And sometimes it's the update that feels like a bit jarring. It doesn't feel like it can sort of be confusing, but to just sort of expect it, like, you know how much you've changed either by becoming a parent, living abroad just by time and to kind of expect that of other people as well. So the friendship might look different and behave differently. It's not like a software update where it just does it automatically in the background (laughs) and we're all good then. Mm, Well, sometimes it is. And those friendships are really special aren't they that you can be like hey I've known you since I was 10 but now you know you've both got kids and whatever and it's different but the fundamentals are still there and some some of the software updates are just a bit jinky just not it's not it's not working the same I, I yeah I just it was just something like I I remember speaking to a few people and we kind of did discuss like the differences and I just yeah especially at Christmas time when this is when we tend to oh and the worst part for me is like like this is not just for me this is usually for everyone is when you go back home and you're the one that has to drive around to see everyone and like no one's coming to you and you're just like are you kidding me like I've I've already flown here you know the Mm. best you could do is come and see me as well is there a way that we could actually kind of do you think it's reasonable to kind of say to people hey look I can't come to you I know I always did for 20 years but now I'm not going to so you can come to me yeah that's a boundary thing isn't it it's saying what you what you hope for what you expect be like okay we're going to be in this one place this afternoon would love to see you please come and see us whatever to just sort of spell it out what your expectations and hopes are and with people can do that then great if they can't also great you've told them what you what you want or you could willfully and step into the fact that you're going to go and visit people and make it be a choice not a resentful choice but to actually say like yeah okay I can't see this person or they can't buy that but I want to see them so I'm going to make the the effort and that's very different to just driving around door to door saying you're here if you're kind of stepping into it willingly and with a different kind of intention yeah coming back to the intention like what is my intention here and when you were saying this Eva I was thinking of yeah maybe going also into the the meeting of the intention is this going to be a chance for reconnection or connection in general or is this going to be a chance for me to let go Mm. you know because sometimes this can also when you then realize oh actually i'm realizing we don't have we've had something in common but now it's really like we're we can't like hit a middle ground here but then this is also for me at least was a peaceful realization of okay great i don't need to worry about seeing this person the next time because i can just let this go now and then it's it's not resentful, but it's just like I can make this peaceful cut. It's fine if I ran into them in the streets. I'm going to be friendly. Letting this this go. This can then also be the intention or the realization of this meeting. And then I think that's equally great because that frees up resources on my end. So True. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's let's take a step back and back into the home, I guess. So as a parent or a partner, what can I do to help my partner and my child feel like happy and secure in this visit home? Like any tips that you might be able to make the time more enjoyable or less stressful? Yeah, so I'd be thinking first about your expectations of the trip and to kind of spell those out, you know, either in your partnership or with your family, like, you know, could be literally like we're going to stay at Nan's house for three days and we're going to do this and we're going to eat this kind of food, you know, those sorts of practical things, but also what you're expecting in terms of those negotiable and non-negotiable boundaries, you know, to have those explicit with your partner. So then perhaps that your partner could also remind you of those subtly if you are totally lost in the dance to say like, oh, yeah, we did say we were going to do this. Shall we do still this? You know, those kind of things. The other thing would be thinking of ways to regulate yourself when you're when you might be triggered and a trigger just means you know there's an emotion that comes up that doesn't belong in the now so it'll be you know being in your childhood bedroom and then just suddenly feeling trapped or confused or something that's like this doesn't belong to right now and if you feel like that it can be really helpful to kind of go back get into your physical body you know it might be like get outside for a minute, splash water on your face, ground yourself in your breath, these sorts of physical things which can help in the moment. Yeah, so having your expectations set and ways to regulate yourself. I always rely a lot on exercise generally and I think like during holiday times that can go out of the window and that's been something I've regretted in previous you know editions of Christmas. So I always take my running stuff now and I'm like okay even if it's Christmas morning, especially if it's Christmas morning, I'm going to get outside. I'm going to do some exercise before, you know, the whole day takes shape. And so thinking about those things that you have in your arsenal, in your tool bag at home that you want to take with you that may help you feel grounded and regulated. And well, I think those are three excellent <laughs> yeah. points that you actually gave. Yeah, I hope anyone listening is actually going to be able to jot these down, remember them and execute them when it comes to the actual day in itself. Yeah, I want to throw in one more thing when you said, because this is now that you said this, I remember that my husband and I used to do this in the past and I will remind us as a couple of this. We had this one phrase that we said to each other when we knew the other one has to leave the situation and the other person has to hold the frame. So we said, let me check if they have orange juice. And that was <laughs> the signal for the other person. Okay, Marn really needs to leave now or my husband really needs to get out of the situation that was always like let me yeah let me just run to the kitchen let me check if they have orange juice and that was our little innocent sentence so maybe uh, you could come up with um, yeah just a, a something that safe only, word. yeah only yeah exactly a safe, safe word. that was our safe uh, wow. sentence when we knew the other person needs to leave right now there's no time for explanation and then they can come back mm. or even if I noticed i said do you want to go and check if they have orange juice and he said oh yeah let me let me check and then that's also something that we could keep an eye on each other when we when we needed to give each other space then in these situations so everyone thinks you guys are obsessed with the orange juice exactly <laughs> and hopefully no one of my family is listening to this because now they know <laughs> i literally was just <laughs> thinking that I was like, with the new one now. so yeah but yeah well close your ears we'll have a trigger warning for your family members I think this is actually you you really finalized those points so well Naomi that it's we really kind of we hit the nail on the head there 
with the hammer or with the screwdriver, whatever one tool you're going to be <laughs> using. But I think, it. yeah, but I think that that that's a great way to end this. Thank you so much, as always. Hopefully, um, everyone can enjoy take away everything that's been happening here and maybe you guys are going to start using your orange juice phrase now from now on as well in your homes Mm. but uh yeah thank you again naomi thank you Um, have a good trips back into the (laughs) into the the unknown super well thank you so much and uh yeah everyone this has been dr naomi the good enough psychologist and also she is running the group therapy for moms she'll be back in january yeah, back in January, you can talk about what family life was like after Christmas in therapy, if you like. <laughs> we'll ramp it up to twice a month episodes then, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to to, to un- unveil all the, the stuff that happened. <laughs> Super. Thank you. Thank you. And that was another super educational episode, not just for me, I hope for you as well. Me too. Yes. As always. And I just, yeah, wanted to mention one more thing and tap a little deeper into that I had mentioned in the talk with Naomi. I had talked about nonviolent communication and I wanted to tap a little more specific into that. Also leaving you with a practical example when we were talking about communication is key and how to communicate and how to communicate needs and how to communicate feelings. I wanted to give a little practical impulse on that topic. And like I said, I really admire the pattern or the habit of nonviolent communication, which was founded by Marshall B. Rosenberg, if anyone wants to read it up. And he basically identified four steps of communication that you can follow to improve your understanding with the other person. And basically the main factor of this type of communication is to communicate your feelings and your needs, because that is something that we know internally, but then sometimes have trouble expressing to the other person. So I'm just going to break these four steps down for you. So the first step is making an observation about a situation. The second step is communicating the feeling that lies behind this observation. And then the third step, the need that this feeling comes with. And then the fourth step is the wish that we want the other person to hear. So I'm going to give you a practical example because that might sound a little abstract. So a typical situation could be that you are getting angry that there is too much sugar and too much chocolate and too much cookies um, floating around in these Christmas days or holidays. And then one thing that we tend to do is to yeah get angry at the at the other person providing these sweets like oh stop giving them chocolate and then you're instantly confronted having a confrontational conversation so one thing is taking the first step is making an observation like i see chocolate on the counter or i see cookies on the table full stop that's the observation nothing more and then how does that make you feel i see the cookies on the table that makes me feel very nervous or that makes me feel very unsettled, or that makes me feel angry, or whatever it makes you feel, because you have a need that you haven't communicated yet. And communicating this need is the biggest key in this whole pattern. So third step is then communicating the need. And this could look like in order for my child to have a calm bedtime, and in order for me to have a calm bedtime, I need the sugar levels to be way lower. So explaining why you're getting angry or frustrated or maybe even anxious about 
the cookies that you're seeing. And because a calm and relaxed bedtime is important for me, can I ask you to keep the cookies in the kitchen until the child is in bed? Or can I ask you to only give half of the chocolate? Or can I ask you to, I don't know, whatever the solution is that you might come up at point. So these are the four steps that keeping in mind could be helpful and beneficial when you're going into these conversations with your family members. So observing, feeling, communicating your need and the wish. The tricky thing with the fourth step is communicating a wish can also produce a no. So that's why it's important to really make sure you tap out that need and you really communicate the need that you have and the feeling that you have, because that makes, of course, the threshold for the other person to say no a little higher. That's just my two cents. When Yeah. When you told me about that, I was really kind of like, huh. So yeah. So you've really spelled it out there. So I see you've put the cookies on the table. So that's Uh, the observation. Even even if the you out, I see cookies on the table, full stop, like just just the observation. (laughs) Okay. So the observation then the next step was that makes me feel super anxious. Oh, that makes me feel very nervous. Okay. Thinking about bedtime. Okay. Because... So need feel or no, see mm-hmm. observer. Okay. Observe, mm-hmm. feel. Mm-hmm. Then it's the need, mm-hmm. which is bedtime can be a bit of a struggle when there's a lot of sugar out and you know, mm-hmm. to make bedtime better, I need to be able to bring my child to bed without a lot of sugar in their system, especially 50 minutes before bedtime. Mm-hmm. The wish is I would appreciate it if you could just put them away for until later. Exactly. It's super and simple. And how does this make Yeah, and how does this make you feel if I would say this to you? How would this make you feel? Honestly, it's like, oh yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, right? It's like this instant Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I because I as the grandmother or whoever put the cookies out, I'm not doing the freaking bedtime with them. So all I see now is just uh, unfun Marin doesn't want to have fun, doesn't want to have sugar, doesn't like. No, it's not about that because they don't see the routine. They might not know the routine. They might not know the, the boundaries, all that. And really getting into and this, I mean, takes maybe some exercise for yourself also in preparation of these gatherings that things that are super important to you really identify what makes them so important to you and why they are so important to you and really identify the needs and feelings. Because of course, in the situation, when you're not used to this pattern of communication, and this is something new to you, then of course, you're not going to come up with these examples and ideas. So maybe this is an exercise for in preparation the next couple of weeks for these gatherings, sit down and make sure you know why you're requesting certain things or why you set certain boundaries. And that makes it easier than when your brain has already thought about it once, then it increases the chance that it's going to pop up in the situation that you need it. Yeah. And I think this is great timing. A week well, under a week before Christmas, especially, this is a very sugar induced coma filling period. I think putting this out now in the airwaves and then hopefully repeating it and people can listen in and we'll stick out a cheat sheet later on on Instagram. You know, go back to our Instagram and just read through again these three steps or four steps. And yeah, I think it's going to be great. Thank you so much for sharing that because I'd never heard of it before. So, yeah. 
hopefully it's going to benefit everyone out there. Yeah, it really helped me to calm myself in a situation where I know feelings might take over, really helped me to have these four steps that I can just follow and calm myself while I'm following an instruction, basically. And that helps me to not speak out of the reaction or like the, the feeling that spurts up in that moment, but really communicating what I want to communicate. Well, thank you. So that's been the episode now. We're going to wish you a very Merry Christmas, I guess, for if anyone listening in right now uh, as we are released. And um, for the rest of you, happy days. Happy holidays and making us a great end of the year present and Christmas present. Please make sure, as always, like, subscribe and share this episode. Make sure to follow us on Spotify and Instagram. Make sure to activate the bell so you get notified when we are back into your ears with another episode every Wednesday we're coming out and we like to see those numbers grow so make us happy make us this Christmas present so we're back in the new year um, with lots of topics super interesting interview partners and I'll leave it as that for now and wish you all a great time and until next time bye bye